Thanks for watching our podcast. Here at Spear Consulting, our services include business strategy and human resources consulting. In HR, we offer executive search, executive coaching, and work psychology consulting. Please visit us at spiritmco.com, where we fulfill our clients' dreams virtuously. Enjoy your show. Welcome back to the Leading Virtuously podcast. Today on the show, we have Rob Klein, his cat and his dog, Douglas. So we might be having some cameos and guest appearances uh, through the episode as well. But uh, Rob Klein, I love you, my bro. And uh, so excited for you to be able to be on the podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me, Chris. So Rob, first question, who are you? You know, I'm going to answer that uh, two different ways. Uh, I think of myself, um, I'm the prodigal son because mm -hmm. I'm not a cradle Catholic. I, I, uh, I've only been, I went through RCA 15 years ago. And so I really think of myself as the prodigal son. Um, who am I from an earthly standpoint? I am a founder and CEO of Klein and Partners, uh, a national healthcare market research firm. I, I also am uh, president of uh, a wonderful charity called Catholic Sports Camps. I am a, uh, a loving father uh, of Douglas, the dog, and uh, Gracie, my cat, and uh, a loving husband to my wife, Tony. And hopefully, over time, I've become a much better friend and uncle and brother. Hmm. I love that. Well, thank you. Um, so can you tell me a little bit more? Like, I feel like some people may not know what market research is within the healthcare industry. Can you define that a little bit better? Sure. Um, I jokingly say we're the people that uh, call you during dinner time and interrupt your dinner to take a survey. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how most, that's how my family and friends like, Oh, you're those people. So anytime you're as a corporation, you want to understand what your constituents think of you. I help bridge that gap by asking the right questions of the right people to, to hopefully help businesses make a better informed decision so that they can kind of optimize their brand voice with, uh, with their customer base. So that's essentially what market research does is it just, it helps take some of the, the risk out of decision-making for any business. So what are, what are some of the challenges that a health system uh, or organization might be faced with that they would bring you into the discussion to help them provide clarity in the decision-making? Sure. Well, right now, the obvious answer is COVID. Understanding how do we message to a country that is full of anxiety and fear. Fear is a primal emotion and one of the hardest emotions to counter with facts and reasoning. And so I think it's, it's very interesting to see how people are turning to or turning away from their faith at this time. So really helping healthcare organizations understand how do we communicate with people to help them come back in for care that they need. You know, we forget that you can still get sick and injured outside of COVID. We're so focused on not getting COVID, you can still have another illness. You can still get injured, say in a car accident. And so life, good and bad, still goes on. So as healthcare providers, they've got to understand how do we help people to, uh, you know, what do we need to do to make them feel safe to come in uh, for care so their other situations don't, don't get worse during this time. And then my, my traditional work is more helping them 
to find their brand voice and to test their advertising and their marketing efforts. Again, it's about helping them better connect with people that, uh, that might use them. Yeah. The, um, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to go to a hospital during the pandemic. I know I've only had to go to a primary care doctor, um, but even with that, I mean, I definitely f- pride myself on not living in fear. And, but I did notice that I was more fearful, like walking around, <laughs> like even just being in a primary care clinic, like, you know, you're looking at people like, what, what, why are they here? You know, this was earlier on in the pandemic. And so, yeah. you know, being able to have faith and to, to pray and, and to have these things like mindfulness to encourage yourself and stay positive. Even with that, I was sensing that I was more fearful in that moment. So I can only imagine, you know, people that don't have, you know, some of these other methods to deal with fear, um, what it must be like to, to be in a hospital setting. Oh, yeah. Obviously, as a healthcare marketer, I'm not going into any hospitals now because it's, they're not even let family members in. So I'm, I'm staying away. But, you know, you raise a good point. Fear, as I said before, is so primal. And I think... You know, I, I, as my mom always said to me, something good always comes out of something bad. You just have to look for it. And I think if you look to God, you can still see God's love in all of this chaos. I think coming out of this, one of the good things I'm noticing, especially with clients, is I, I think we're starting to discover our humanity and a little bit of a sense of humor. I'm learning more about my clients because when I have a meeting with them, I'm seeing their house. Normally, they're in an office. You can see I'm in my house where I've had my business for 16 years. So when you're meeting with me, you can obviously tell I love hockey. I must have been a goalie because there's my mass. I'm terrible at the guitar because it's collecting dust right there. But <laughs> I'm seeing my clients' homes, and sometimes I'm meeting their children unexpectedly, or their cat goes across the screen. At first, everybody was horrified when you saw behind the screen. Now we're all laughing about it, and it it's showing our human side and uh, it's giving us a sense of humor. And I think that's helping to see the human side of people. And I'm, I'm enjoying that. And I think we're learning how to communicate better, recognizing that when someone is, is fearful, you can't just go in and argue with facts. Like I'm afraid to fly. Perfect. Since I'm a consultant and I used to fly every week, to see my clients. So I know. Yeah, maybe yeah. not the best career choice for. I know. Tell me about it. But think about it. If someone's sitting next to me and they know I'm a fearful flyer, if they start writing on facts like, oh, it's the safest way to travel, I'm like, you know what? You don't get me. You're not being empathetic. You're not acknowledging that my fear is real, even though you don't understand it. And I think that's a, a good analogy for what's going on in the country right now is we have to learn how to be empathic and to lean in to someone who is struggling because this is impacting not only our physical health, our emotional health, our financial health, our spiritual health is, is suffering because we're many ways we can't go to church or we're having to watch online or we're limited who can go back uh, to church. And you have to wear masks. We can't hug. We, we miss hugging terribly. And so I'm hoping as a, human species, that God is teaching us how to better actually see each other and see into how they're feeling 
and not be so superficial in our conversation. So those are some things that I'm, I'm hoping for as I look for the silver lining in, in a year of COVID. Yeah, the other thing that comes to mind with it too is just seeing the blessings and the little things in life. Mm -hmm. That there's so many things that we take for granted. Um, and then I, I really feel like COVID has really exposed us to being able to like see our religious freedoms be wiped away and some of our other freedoms that from you know social distancing and, and being uh, kind of sheltered in place that that you know that it just opened my eyes to it at least. And then as you also mentioned, like the little things, like just seeing people smile and seeing and being able to hug people. It's like, I think that's probably the most, like, cause I'm a huge hugger as you know. And I know, so, I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> so like being in this like super weird world where we can't see other people's expressions and emotions, you feel like it's almost like people are worried when you come into anywhere near into their zone. It, it just has been definitely a, a trying times, no doubt. So, so thank you for sharing, Rob. The other question I wanted to uh, pose to you is, uh, so that our listeners can get a better sense to your own journey. How did you get to the leadership position that you're in today? Um, yeah. Wow. Boy, I, a very long and um, uh, winding journey. Uh, I, I think both of it is from a, a business standpoint, as well as a faith-filled uh, standpoint. And so, I've always wanted to have my own business. My father owned his company, so I never knew him as an employee of anywhere else. So to me, owning your own business was just kind of like, well, that's just what you do. Mm -hmm. That's what my dad did. So I, I knew since high school, someday I was going to own a company. Didn't know what it was, when it would happen, how big or little it would be. But I knew that eventually um, I'm unemployable. So I, I need to be my own boss um, because I, I know what I want. And I have very definite opinions on that. So that doesn't always make for the best employee. But I realized I need to learn a lot before I'm going to be ready to go out on my own. So I spent 20 plus years working for other market research firms, learning, as I say, how to make the donuts and watching people. That's, I, that's what I think is important for someone that really wants to uh, kind of go up the ladder, so to speak, and to, and to really be in a leadership position is at first you have to, to humble yourself and say, I don't know everything. And I need to surround myself with people that do know more than me. And then I need to watch them intently. You know, I always joke and say, I love, I love tennis. So I always want to play tennis with someone better than me. That's the only way I'm going to learn. And so that, that is throughout the life and, and, and throughout business. You know, hang around people that inspire you, whether it's your faith, whether it's playing hockey like we do, um, whether it is in business. But it's, it's, it's about learning from those who came before you and not closing your mind off and thinking that you, you know everything. Because I'm 60 now and I've been in the business 35 years. I'm still learning and trying new things. That, that's the beauty. When I feel that I'm too old to learn something new, it's time it's time to quit. So I learned how to be a focus group moderator by running the camera for my boss back in the, in the mid eighties when I was just out of college, I had the camera 
and I would videotape the focus groups. I watched him moderate. He was so good at it that I learned through osmosis. And then I'd ask him questions. Why did you say that? Why did you make a joke here? And then he would tell me. And I, I still use warm-up when I'm moderating a focus group, which is if you've ever seen behind a glass and there's eight or ten um, consumers and I'm talking to them as a moderator, I'm still using warm-ups and jokes that I learned from him back in 1984. Mm. Because, you know, it's timeless. So my shtick is really old, but I've never forgotten. Every boss I ever had, I can tell you, I learned this from him. I learned this from her. I, I'm a composite of, and then also I learned how not to be from some. That's the other thing is sometimes you have to learn what not to do, not just what to do. So I think all of us, we are a composite of our life's learnings. It's just a matter of are we smart enough to be open to a lesson? You know, learning a lesson is never easy. It either costs you time or money or um, embarrassment and humility. Because sometimes you learn a lesson the hard way. In fact, those are the ones I remember the most. I always tell clients, I got a lot of scars on my back to be where I am now as a, as a leading consultant. But you know, it took 35 years to be an overnight success. And it is a marathon. And a lot of times people, if they don't get it right away, then they're like, oh, this will never happen. But it takes, it takes a lot uh, to, to happen. Um, and it actually took me getting fired from my last job after six months because it just was not a fit. And I came home and said, you know what, I'm going to start my own company. And I did. And uh, it, it was definitely the time to get kicked out of the, uh, the nest. You know, I think another thing that really I'll never forget, and I don't think, well, there's a million reasons why I wouldn't be where I am today without certain things happening, even if it was a struggle. But when I graduated from undergrad, I really haven't told anybody outside of my wife and a couple of family members. But when I graduated from Michigan State University in the early 80s as an undergrad, my parents came to the uh, uh, to my ceremony. Afterwards, uh, we're outside, we're talking and I'm getting congratulated. My mom comes up and gives me a big hug. And then she whispers in my ear, I'm so happy for you. You better get a job because I've turned your bedroom in a sewing room and you can't come home. <laughs> and I'm like, what? So I, this was like May. I didn't get a job till September. I had to live on the sofa at the house where I had just graduated from. My roommates let me pay a little bit of money and live on the sofa. I was essentially homeless for like four months. But I look back and I'm like, you know what? Had I just gone back home like I thought, I may have never left St. Joe. So that's one of the most, among so many things my mother did for me. But she pushed me out of the nest when I really needed that. And so that, you know, 35 years later, I still think of that story of where would I be had, I, had she not done something that I know was very difficult because, you know, a mother, she wants your child to come home. And so that was an amazing, an amazing um, juncture uh, for me. But as about, I said, I talk about burning the boats, literally. Like yes. you don't have a choice because uh, I've got this awesome, super amazing sewing room that used to be your room. And that's Absolutely. where I'm going to be staying now. Working without a safety net is very inspiring. Hmm. Because if you have a safety net, we tend to fall back on it. Um, I, I relish that now. I don't, even, I don't even prepare for speeches 
anymore. I love to ad lib because it's that it's I, I know inherently what I want to say, but I don't want it to be stale. I want it to be fresh and honest and sincere. Um, and so, uh, but having that background um, has has really helped me to be able to to do that now. So, can we go back to? what you were feeling in that moment um, of when you mentioned that you were laid off before starting your own um, company. Can you kind of just like take us back to what you were feeling and experiencing through that journey and how, how you actually made the decision? Cause I feel like, you know, especially in the middle of the pandemic, we have so many people that are unemployed that may have thought always like, okay, I'm going to be grow, you know, they have this plan in place as a way that their career is supposed to go, but there might have been, also, at the same time, that little seed, that that little voice that's saying, you know, why haven't we done that? You know, I've been dreaming about this my whole career, yeah. but I've never actually gone off and pursued starting my own company or, or, you know, launching a podcast or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So so maybe your story in that regard also might inspire them to, to maybe follow through on, on that intuition. Absolutely. Well, it, I go back to, to what my mother said. So when I when I was when I was fired, I instantly thought of okay, I'm being kicked out of another nest. Hmm. So I viewed it as a positive because I wanted to start my company um, for so long, but I just you know I procrastinated. I just never did. And I went I went home and I went. This is just exactly what like my mom did to me. Hmm. I don't have a safety net now. So now is the time. So I really viewed it almost instantly. And I don't know if I would have been the same had my mom not done that to me. Cause I remember thinking back like, okay, I'm just getting kicked out of another nest. This is an opportunity, not a challenge or something negative. People view firing as it's a, it's a negative and it, and it, in some ways it can be, and it, it, it's scary because you, if you didn't see it coming, you, you don't have a plan B yet, but I just, I've always felt, even though I'm not a cradle Catholic, um, I've always felt that some, you know, God doesn't always lead you to something. Sometimes he's got to clear the way and he's got to get rid of something out of your way so that he gets you where he knows you really want to be. And eventually where you want to be is where he wants you to be because he's got plans down the road for you that you don't even know for another 20 years. And yeah, go ahead. So, so yeah, so that, you know, the, the story that you're sharing there is from a, a business perspective. And I, and, and we talked about this before that, you know, you've had some of those kind of like key life things that people say, like, you know, we talked about a couple of them, like being kicked out of the house. Second is, you know, being fired from a job, but it sounds like you, you've, you've had this experience where you've gone through many different trials, but I love how you've always, a been inspired by them, saw them as opportunities, but then risen to those challenges. Is there any other key sufferings that you think have uh, led you to the man that you are today? Well, I, I think probably the the uh, the biggest suffering or change in my life is 14 years ago, my first wife died unexpectedly. So literally two years after I started Klein and Partners, after I was fired. Two years, I'm still building it up, and it's not huge yet. Um, then my first wife dies, so now I've got a company that I'm trying to build, and I, I 
I lose my wife. And, you know, I was in my, I was widowed in my mid forties. Never, never thought anything like that would happen. She was in her early fifties when she, when she passed away. And I had fortunately, and, I, and I'll tell you, I think, again, God, I just, I know I keep coming back to, um, to, to faith, but I think it, my life and my faith are so intertwined, even before I knew it, God was working on me before I even knew it. And I had just become, I just went through RCIA literally about a year and a half before Barb died. And so I'm so grateful that I had my faith to fall back on because had I not gone through that, I don't know how, if I would have turned to God to get me through that suffering or not, you know, I mean, it's, it's unknowable, but I really wonder. So truly at that point, God saved my life. Jesus was there and picked up the pieces. And I feel like the last 14 years, I've living such a more inspired life. Things don't get me in work or in, in life. I don't struggle with things like I used to because I know he's there. I know there's a bigger purpose. And if I can get through that, I can get through anything. So business, it just it's just not... It's not the trauma that it that it used to be. I think it's put me in. I think I'm a better I'm a better husband the second time around. I'm remarried and madly in love with with Tony for the past ten years. We're running our business together. She's my business partner, best boss I ever had. And uh, uh, you know, so yeah, we met later in life, so we're not going to get as many years as if we met younger. But that would have been the wrong time. I would not have been the husband that I'm able to be now back when I was younger and, but we spend all day together. We travel together because we, if we have a business account, we go together, we work together at our home. So we spend more days and hours together. And so I think we're, we're making up um, for meeting later in life. So, you know, God brought her to me and it, it just, I know that truly not to have a bad, you know, a bad uh, pun, but you know, it's a match made in heaven, truly um, as far as we're concerned. And so, I just feel like by trusting Christ when I had that that huge loss of a of a of a spouse. And you know, that when parents die, it's horrible. My parents died when I was only 37. They both died two weeks apart from each other. Um, that was difficult, but they were older. You know, losing a spouse or even a child, which I can't I can't comprehend, but losing a spouse is something you're like, we thought we we're gonna grow old together. You know, that's the plan. And you get that interrupted. You know, my, my priest said to me, he said, look, you've got two choices here. You can run away from God or you can run to God. That's your only choices in this situation. And I've never forgotten that. And so anytime things are difficult, whether it's business, personal, et cetera, I remember that. Okay, Rob, what are you going to do? You're going to run away from God or you're going to run to God? When COVID hit, I felt like Tony and I both felt like we were running away from God. We just were, we were not feeling close. He never left us. We got distant from him. Recently, we, we, we really prayed about it and sat down and we just said, you know, we need to run back to God. And since we've done that, all the chaos that's going on around us is just, it's not bothering our peace uh, because we're keeping our eyes on him. And that has just helped so much with business. And, you know, I think people in business, if I can go back to the business in terms of a leader, people sense when, as a leader, 
when you're comfortable in your own skin and you know where you want to go and you're not sidetracked by all the chaos in life. People want to follow that type of a leader. If you're showing signs of, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm chaotic. I don't know what to do next. Nobody wants to follow that type of leader. So, so being a leader is being having that sense of calm in, a, in the storm because there's always going to be a storm. After, after COVID, there'll be something else that comes up that, that is life-changing for all of us. That's, that's, that's part of the world. And so having that peace, the only place I have found to have that sense of calm in any storm is, is through my, my faith. And I think that's helping me to be a better leader in, in any place where I'm called on to be a leader, whether it's at church, whether it's our, our Catholic sports camps that we do together, or whether it's at business. It, being a leader is, is having that sense of calm that's what helps other people want to, to be part of what you're doing. Now a word from our sponsors. Have you been feeling unfulfilled? One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. A charity that I've grown to love, River of Light, food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel knowing that you're helping feed homeless children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, please visit riveroflightchicago.org. Again, that URL is riveroflightchicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry. Well, thank you for for being very, very, very candid on on the show and uh, love it. And it's it's interesting to me, just honestly, how uh, God has put the two of us together to I definitely look up to you as a, as a big brother and, and a mentor in my own life and, and how kind of like in the same way of, of the, the journey to even for myself, founding my own company and, and going through the sufferings that I've gone through too, is how that's kind of intertwined. And, and I love how you, you know, just kind of like can clearly point out and see that these were, these were promotional opportunities for you and you just had to continue to keep running to God instead of running away from him. And from expanding that relationship through the suffering, you've been able to see the the grace that's flowed in your life. And similar to myself, you know, being on a, a second marriage myself and, and seeing kind of the ways that just looking back at my first marriage and recognizing like, wow, it's, it's like night and day to the relationship that I'm in. And, and as you the other thing that came to mind was like with you and Tony living together, working together. I know some people during COVID that's a nightmare for them that that's turned into, you know, a lot of divorces. I was just actually recruiting, uh, working with a candidate recently that he just finished a divorce in December because him and his wife having to be in the house together as much as they were recognized that their relationship was, had hit a stalemate and they needed to end things. And so that's, that's really like, so for me, you know, I'm sitting to myself thinking like, if he only knew, like, not only do I work with my wife, but we, we do praise and worship together. Like we, we like we're intentional about spending time together because of how much we, we love each other and honor each Mm -hmm. other and want to see the best version of each other. That we're just trying to find more ways that we can, we can grow in intimacy and love with one another. So 
that's very encouraging. So thank you for sharing that. Too. Oh, you bet. Tony's my best friend. I'm madly in love with her. I can't, I can't spend enough time with her. It's, you know, sometimes clients will go, you guys don't fight. We've been married for almost 10 years now. We've never had one fight hmm. because, you know, it, you know, it's, you remember that saying kind of God first, other second, me third. I just find to me, the secret of, of, of marriage beyond hmm. obviously bringing Christ into it. So the three of you are, are bound together. But I just put her first all the time. What her needs first always is the way it is. And she feels like my needs first. And, you know, the, the fact that we share our Catholic faith, that's really. And, you know, I'll tell you, when I wanted to date again, I was praying to God. I said, I don't care what she looks like or what she does for a living. I've got one requirement, God. I want her to be Catholic because I need to share my faith with her. It's so important to me. He did me like way million times better. Um, Tony had actually, um, she'd been baptized Catholic, but she never finished her sacraments because her dad died when she was young and her mom stopped going to church. So she was not Catholic. And I found that out when we were dating. We went to mass. I was going up for uh, communion and she said, um, I can't go. And I'm like, oh, what could that be? I didn't know why. You know, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, was she divorced? And I don't know. Um, then when I came back, she said, I haven't gone through that sacrament and I don't feel right. Even though no one would know, I would know that it wasn't appropriate. Yet. I haven't been, I haven't become fully Catholic and it was the right thing not to do it. And I went, Oh my God, I'm in love with this woman. So <laughs> God gave me, and then so I got to be her sponsor in RCAA and bring her into the church. And then we were married at our church at, at St. Isaac. So God's like, I, was, I love the joke where, you know, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And, you know, I told him what I wanted in the wife. He's like, I'm going to do you so much better because you're thinking way too small. And then, you know, he gave me Tony. And that's, that's really um, so much the, the joy in, in life if you just, you know, let, it, it's God's plan. And if we can just do it. And, you know, one thing, too, I want to, with your viewers, I think, that I have learned recently that is has just enriched my relationships with people is I believe that um, God intends for you to meet the people that you meet. It's never an accident. I met you for a purpose. And so now every person I meet, I ask myself, why would God want me to meet them? Is it for them? Is it for me? Is it for both of us? So my getting to know that person is much more enriched because I ask them different questions because now I want to learn their backstory because maybe there's something in there that I'm, I'm meant to do, or maybe there's something they're going to help me with. And I just find that enriches my life so much more by knowing I'm supposed to meet you for a reason. And that includes meeting someone maybe who's suffering from homelessness on the street. I used to go by them and ignore them. And that's the worst thing you can do is to is to treat someone as though they're invisible. You know, that's the most inhumane thing you can do to another human being. And you know how God says, you know, how you treat the lesser of me is how you treat us. And now I stop and talk with them and I learn about them. And you never know how that's going to change how they feel because they're not invisible anymore. And so it just there's so many ways you can enrich your life and enrich other people's life. By recognizing everybody you meet, there's a reason. And so that's a mystery for you to solve. And that's just so much more enjoyable 
than just saying, oh, I just met this person coincidentally. So that's, that's just something I've learned that I think as a leader, that too, you can translate that in, in, into business. I love that. <clears throat> it's like uh, looking at yourself as someone who's always mining gold and rubies. What is, what is the, what am I, what am I drawing out? Like, what is, what am I seeking in this relationship? What is the way that this relationship is going to be able to bless me in my life? And, and it's such a hope filled and, and optimistic way to look at all of your relationships too, which is, yeah, I just never really thought about it that way. And, and, and oftentimes you, I, I've noticed that I find that when I'm deeper into the relationship through just like being mindful or, or having a prayer life, I'm able to recognize, okay, there's a this is the reason why this person is in my life and, and the fruit that I'm starting to reap from this relationship. But to even from, I've never thought about it from the front end as like part of that, <laughs> part of like, as you start to meet new people and you're recognizing that you're going to be doing life with this person in this next season to, to have that opportunity to, to see, like, you know, to, to be prayerful and asking like, you know, why are they in my life and, and what are we, what is the opportunity here for both of us? So, so thank you for sharing that. So I think that that touches upon the next question too, Rob, which is, you know, for you in business, where do, where does virtue and in, in business intersect with some of the work that you're doing with your clients? Oh, virtue is, it's, it's, it's the cornerstone. Uh, you know, my, 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 my parents taught me that um, morals are nothing but words until they're put to the test. In fact, I became Catholic uh, late in life, actually because of a movie. I was watching A Man for All Seasons, which is the story of Sir Thomas More. Hmm. He was willing to literally lose his head for what he believed in. I remember watching that movie with my first wife, Barb, before she passed. And I stood up in bed and said, oh, my God, I'm Catholic. I get it. <laughs> so that. I know it's interesting. I mean, movies you rarely have impact, but it was a true story, which is a good thing. That helped. So once I saw that movie, I'm like, okay, I get it. I'm Catholic. My, Barb was Catholic and I wasn't. And that started my journey on becoming a Catholic. And I became a Catholic uh, a few years later. Uh, so, and I would never have, I would have never met you had I not become Catholic. And had I not met you, I wouldn't be working with you on the Catholic sports camps. So if you think of all the potential coincidental meetings that and things that had to happen, had I not watched that movie, maybe I would not have become Catholic. We, we don't know. Had I not met you, I certainly would not be doing uh, working with you on just an amazing um, program with Catholic sports camps. So it, again, it just shows you there's no coincidence. You meet the people God wants you to meet. You know, as my favorite author, C.S. Lewis, I know you love him too. He says, you know, coincidence is God's desire to remain anonymous. But I think if you really start looking at all the threads, you see God's work there. And that's what it just, to me, it makes life so much more in, enriching. And, you know, and I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm very preachy with my clients. You know, I do believe that, you know, you just, you demonstrate your Christianity and your virtue and your faith just by your actions more than your words letting people see how you live your life how you treat other people how you treat them you know whether they know why you're doing it or not they're like okay there's there's someone that is a kind and gentle and a calm person 
and someone that cares about puts others first before themselves and then let them figure out what maybe what's really driving um, that uh, that virtuous uh, behavior. And I'm far from virtuous all the time. We're all sinners. Um, you know, I think I think that's why I'm so drawn to Peter as the apostle, because, you know, he messed up a lot. He irritated Christ a lot, but he never he never quit. And, um, you know, I've had times when things I've kind of wanted to to give up on. And uh, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, in honesty, this just happened. Um, I had a call with Father Burke the other day about Catholic sports camps. And I really had a kind of a, a, a crisis of I just am not feeling I want to do this anymore. Mm. And then it, it really, as Tony and I got back closer in our relationship, I realized I don't want to be a quitter. Peter didn't quit. He kept, he kept trying. And so I told Father Burke, I said, I don't want to be a quitter. Even if I'm goofing up and things aren't going that well, I don't want to be a quitter. And he said, yes, that's your, you, your heart's in the right place. It's okay to doubt things, but just to Christ just doesn't want you to give up. And I think that's why I'm successful in business because you, as you know, starting your own business, it's not always going to be roses. It's going to be, there's going to be times when you're like, what did I do? I'm working without a safety net. If we don't hunt, we don't eat. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have the courage to keep going, even when things are, are, are difficult. As a dear friend of mine said, who passed away recently, he's an, he was a retired Marine, and he said, the important point is when you're going through hell to keep moving. And, you know, I, I think that's true. We have to keep going and saying, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to give up, whether it's work or um, at home, never giving up on your marriage. You always keep going and God expects imperfection in us. What he, what he loves is when he sees when we get back up and we, we don't quit on it. That's what he really, I think, wants from us. And so that's why I'm able to have a successful business after 16 years with no safety net. I have no plan B. I got to tell you, I have no plan B if this doesn't work out. So it has to. And that keeps me motivated. Okay, what do I need to do to be successful? That's a huge motivator uh, to, 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 to be successful because people are looking to me. I've got people that are partners with us that if, if we don't do well, they don't do well. And, you know, my wife is my partner. If we don't do well, we don't do well. And so it's a great motivator. But that could either be, debilitating that fear could be debilitating or it could be inspiring you have to turn it into a motivating inspiring type of of fear versus a debilitating i think that's what the big difference and the difference between debilitating and motivating is i know christ wants me to be doing this that's what's able for me to put my fears i still get on a plane i've never not gone on a trip because of my fear I will not let my fear beat me. I can tell you, I probably say it said a hundred thousand Hail Marys <laughs> over the course of the time flying. The Blessed Mother and I are BFFs. I can tell you that. And she holds my hand the whole way. Uh, but I will not because I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna disappoint God by saying I'm I'm so afraid of flying that I don't I don't trust you. My trust in him has to be stronger than my mortal fear. 
Well, drive us home too, Rob. So many people may not know what the outlook and future of your own business looks like and where you guys are at, because, you know, as you said, you know, I've done this without a safety net. How, where, where do you feel like you are in your own business journey and what does the future uh, look like for your own business too? Actually in a really good place, as I might've mentioned, I'm, I'm 60. So I need to have a transition plan. The worst thing that happens is I've built this wonderful company and I've created products that, that clients in the healthcare industry love um, from a data standpoint. And I would hate to just turn the lights off in five or six years and go away and then everything's gone. So I wanted to leave a legacy. So I started seeking out partners maybe that wanted to acquire us. Well, the partner was, was in front of me the whole time. Our, excuse me, our business partner, the Derringer Research Group in Milwaukee, they've been my data collection and data processing partner for the entire 16 years. And all of a sudden it hit me, oh my gosh, why am I looking around at these other research companies? Our, our best friends that have been with us for 16 years, they're right in front of me. So I approached their, their CEO and owner, they're a family-owned company, and we love them to death. And I said, how would you like to acquire us over, uh, over time? And first she said, well, we can't afford you right now. I said, you know what? No money changes hands right now. How about we slowly, over five years, we become an affiliate. And then after five years, after we built the company, we've helped you build yours and we partnered, then we set a strike price of whatever you think it's worth. If you think it's worth $1.99, I'll give it to you for $1.99. Hmm. But I, now I'm going to create a glide path and a transition so that all of the client and partners that we've built up. That way our clients don't lose out. After five years, they'll get to know our partners and then I can go off in the sunset knowing I've done the right thing. I'd rather make less money, but I'm gonna help out dear friends to grow their business and our clients won't be left in the lurch as if I just took a big buyout and walked away. So this makes me feel good on so many levels. I know what's gonna to happen to client and partners in five to seven years. So I don't have to worry about that. And I know I'm leaving it in good hands. And I know my clients are not going to be disappointed because the most important thing for me when I eventually pass, I don't care if anyone says, oh, he was a great researcher. I could care less. I just want people to say he was he was a good man. Hmm. And that my reputation is absolutely the most important thing to me and my reputation as a human being, not as a market researcher. That's fleeting. That'll go away. But I want like my my nieces and nephews and my great nieces and nephews, my godchildren. Um, I want them to be able to um, not be embarrassed by anything I've ever done in my life. I want them to say, yeah, he was a great uncle. Remember when he did this for us? That's what I want to be known as. And so by having this transition in my business, I just feel that it's it's the right thing to do. And it's going to leave the best legacy. Money is fleeting. You can't take it with you. And I'll tell you, my wife, Tony, had COVID in December. You quickly realize how unimportant money and business is when you're worrying about someone that you love. All of a sudden, it's all prayers on deck with Christ and your prayer chain because all you care about. I would live in a cardboard box to make sure she's okay. It really puts into perspective that all this business is fleeting. So it doesn't, it doesn't own me anymore. I like the business. It's fun. I get paid to do something I love, but it's, it's meaningless if I don't have Tony to, to share it with. Oh, 
Well, thank you for sharing, Rob, and, and what an inspiration and and just a, a great story your your life story is and, and a journey that you've been through. So I appreciate you sharing that with with our guests. And and I think that's just another story to inspire others that are thing like to be able to see the the legacy that you're going to be living or uh, leaving, uh, not only with your own business, but then also throughout all your family and, and loved ones, and then the work that we're doing in, in the nonprofit too. So, so yeah, you're, I love you. You know, like I said, I love you so much, Rob, and I appreciate I you, you being able to be on the, the podcast today. So how can you, people- Chris, can I just tell you a last thing here quickly? Sure. I know why I met you. Oh. You're, you're not a mystery to me anymore. Go on. Please share. Well, it, I remember I met you when you were, when you were younger. So I, I've seen you in, <laughs> in your, you know, when you give your witness, I've seen the, the pre and the post, if you will. And to see the transformation gives me such joy and it inspires me that you don't give up. You turn to God, not away from God. And he saved you. And you know, I was, how many times do I joke and say, I feel like I've watched the transformation of Saul to Paul. Mm-hmm. And I see the Holy Spirit in you and everything that you're doing. And, you know, you know, the business world can be very secular. And so to wear our faith on our, on our sleeves, so to speak, that can sometimes rub people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. It takes courage, just like the apostles had to have courage because most people were against them. This was not an easy sell that they were going out to do, and it still isn't today. And so I just I'm so inspired by your courage. And again, I get to be involved with an amazing charity with Catholic Sports Camps. I would I would not have even known about that had you and I not met through hockey. So I think that I played, you know, God gave me the talent to play hockey just for my entertainment and enjoyment. No, I think he made me play hockey. Because he knew eventually if I played hockey, I was going to meet you and your brothers and your dad because he knew he wanted me to put my marketing and advertising skills to, to, to work on something that was more important to him, like Catholic sports camps or what I do at um, leading retreat, men's retreats at church. So everything I thought was just fun for me, I now see the journey that he was putting me on to get me where I am today. And part of it was meeting you. I needed to meet you to be doing some of the things that I'm doing. Well, I'm, I'm definitely humbled by your words, uh, Rob. And, and I don't know about, I think uh, even looking at the mega apostle Paul is a, a daunting task. I think, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's just a matter of doing the next right thing and, uh, you know, opening yourself up to God to be used as as a, as a, a beacon of his love in the world. And, and so, yeah, if anything, I'll just take credit for saying yes. And, and mm-hmm. going back to him to, to recognize in the times where I just, I don't know, Lord, I don't know why you put me in the position that you put me in. I'm just going to continue to say yes and stay close to you and, and know that it'll work out in the end. Um, so Rob, how can people get a hold of the work that you're doing at, at Klein and Partners? Oh, thanks, Chris. So if, if you go to our website, which is www.kleinandpartners.com. So it's my last name, K-L-E-I-N-A-N-D, partners, plural, dot com. And uh, you can check out the, the research that we offer. Also, I've got a neat uh, on-the-bus study I do. I did four of them last year. 
on the COVID. And so my last one I did in December was, um, what are Americans' reactions to getting a vaccine? And you'd be shocked at how many people don't want to get a vaccine because they think it was rushed. So as much as we hear people saying, I want to get the vaccine, where is it? There's a lot of people you're not hearing from. They're like, yeah, I'm going to wait or I'm just going to let my body heal naturally. I don't want it at all. So healthcare companies are much more um, concerned. They thought this was going to be an easy sell. <clears throat> and they're finding they've got to they've got to sell the vaccine way more than they were anticipating. Hmm. Wow. That is, yeah, I will definitely check that out. And thank you for sharing. And we'll also have all this information um, into your, your show bio as well, but appreciate you being on, on the show today and uh, really excited to see the way that it, it blesses others as well. And uh, look forward to uh, getting together with uh, Hannah and Tony to, to be able to have dinner again real soon. And play golf. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank oh, you, Rob. Oh, God bless. Peace, Chris. All right, bye-bye. Take care. Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald. <laughs> Just joking. The Leading Virtuously podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day. <laughs>